Welcome to the Orange Socks Podcast, where we are inspiring life despite a diagnosis. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Nebaker. In today's episode, I speak with Jeannie about her son, Roland, who has ADNP syndrome. I know you're going to love hearing their story. So, uh, Jeannie, thank you so much for taking the time to do an Orange Socks interview with me today about your son, Roland, who is five years old, who has ADMP syndrome. So tell me, when did you find out that Roland had ADMP syndrome? We found out on August 16th, 2016, that Roland actually tested positive for the ADMP pathogenic mutation. And it was a shock to us. My husband and I had genetic testing done with Roland in utero, not just your normal amnio and fragile X tests, but we had extensive genetic testing done through Mount Sinai for literally every type of autistic-related disorder known to man back in 2012 when he was in utero. And ADMP actually was not part of that blood work because it wasn't discovered until the year that Roland was born. So the results were quite shocking to the two of us. There was not a lot known about ADMP when we were told by our genetic doctor at Well Cornell. They had only heard of one other patient who they had diagnosed with ADMP, who was an older patient in his mid-20s, and they had reached out to the family prior to telling us about her son's diagnosis, and the family did not want to reach out to us. So we had a stack of papers that explained very little about ADMP and the mutations, and his mutation in particular, but a recommendation that we reach out to Sandor Simone, who was the head of the ADMP Foundation, who at that point had about 54 children diagnosed when Roland was diagnosed. And then little was known about it and pretty much, why don't you follow up with your neurologist, who we were very close with, and you follow up with some major testing, EKG, EEG, brain scan, etc., to make sure that Roland didn't have any other issues that we were not aware of. So it was not an easy time in our lives. Uh, Roland's part of a blended family of five children. And it was honestly very hard in the beginning. But at some point, my husband and I, within a few days after the diagnosis and speaking with the founder of the foundation on Facebook, we were actually relieved because we had an answer. And we were told for so many years that it was the quote-unquote Roland syndrome, a global set of delays. Not only were we told this by numerous neurologists, endocrinologists, our eye doctors, ENTs, our whole team, but we were also told this in trying to get evaluations done through the state. So when we found out that there was actually something significantly wrong with him, it came as a shocker, but at the same point, it really answered many questions that we had lingering and it was a relief to finally find out the truth. So you obviously suspected something. You had all this in utero testing. Everything came back negative. So you had a healthy baby boy and then you started to notice that some things were different or he was missing some developmental milestones or anyway you had some suspicions that there was something uh, amiss with Roland or something different than other children. Is that correct? 
That is correct. To be honest, straight off after we brought him home from the hospital, I was having a bit of a hard time breastfeeding and roller matching on. And so I brought him back shortly after to see an EMT. And the ENT said something, you know, very offhand, said something like, I've never seen a child who has such narrow nasal passages and narrow ear canals. Had a very hard time doing an endoscopy. That kind of was a bit of a red flag, but didn't seem so alarming at that particular time. And said he had some acid reflux and we could do a nothing about it, B, give him a medication for it, or C, elevate his bed a little bit. And that was kind of the beginning of the hum, you know, what's going on. And then I noticed that there wasn't a lot of mommy-child eye contact and eye tracking at a very young age. My husband and I noticed that he was spending a lot of time looking out the window or if he was in the crib and there was a TV in the distance or a light on. He spent a lot of time turning his head directly, almost contorting his head so much so he could look at the light. And I always thought that was a little strange. But he did meet many of his milestones up to 12 to 15 months of age. We did have concerns about his eye contact since birth and we kept getting that checked regularly. But his eyes started crossing at a very young age. We started bringing him to different eye doctors, ophthalmologists for opinions. And one ophthalmologist wanted to patch him and that didn't work. And then wanted to do eye drop therapy, which we tried. Then he had allergic reaction to atropine, where his eye, you apparently drop the eye that is the healthier eye so the weaker eye can catch up. And his eye never went back to normal dilation, which they had never seen. That was a bit of a red flag. But while he was having all these issues, he was meeting some of the milestones. In fact, he was saying simple words. I've never heard mommy still to this day, but he was saying simple words, but he was not able to repeat them or retain them. And he was rolling over appropriately, sitting up appropriately, pulling himself to standing appropriately, but walking, he was very, very delayed. The other thing that we noticed that kind of stood out was that one of his eyelids was very droopy and I brought him into the ophthalmologist about that and he did note that he said you know I really haven't seen that with stress business this was another opinion but with all these kind of weird things that were happening he was kind of meeting the standards I would say for the state evaluation so when he was being evaluated they weren't really seeing the red flags. But of course, when people come into your home, they're only seeing a snippet for about an hour, hour and a half. They're not seeing the whole child in the whole picture. I would say the fact that he had two eye surgeries is quite a big deal at a very young age. And I would also say the fact that he had to have his tonsils and full adenoid removal at a very young age was huge because what was happening before the diagnosis was he wasn't sleeping at night. He had pretty good sleep, but as he was growing he wasn't able to sleep through the night and he was gagging and they thought sleep apnea as it turned out children with ADMP had very low muscle tone and when you have the low muscle tone and you go to sleep your um, whole kind of insides of your nasal passage tends to droop if your adenoids are enlarged you really have a small amount of breathing so he was waking up a lot gasping for air so a lot of these, it was kind of like, as my husband likes to say, connecting the dots, a lot of strange things that were occurring, but we couldn't connect the dots. So that led us to want to explore more, talk more with 
our team at Wild Cornell, NYU Langone, and really get to the bottom of it. And that's what brought us to further testing. So essentially, before you got the definitive diagnosis, you were essentially chasing signs and symptoms of ADMP. Absolutely. And I would like to mention, we noticed that his teeth were coming in rapidly, much quicker than our other children. And they were coming in very small, almost like chiclet teeth. And I actually brought him in to a dentist because my husband and I really feel like we don't want to ever leave a stone unturned. And the dentist did note, I haven't seen a child at this age, you know, have a full set of teeth, let alone such small ones. But nobody was ever really alarmed because at that particular time in his life, he looked developmentally appropriate in terms of his age, his weight, his height, with the exception of the droopy eyelid and his eyes crossing prior to surgery. He wasn't displaying some of the things that he displays now as he's grown older. So tell me, what has been some of the greatest challenges you've had so far in his five years? Yesterday was a really challenging moment for me. I brought his sister, Devin, to a birthday party and I bought a, I went to go buy a gift at the store next to the birthday party for the little boy whose birthday it was and I decided to buy Roland a Valentine's present. And when the woman asked what type of wrapping paper I wanted for the little boy's birthday it was, I said birthday paper or whatever you have that would be for the celebration. And then when she asked me about wrapping Roland's gift, she said, well, what's your son's favorite color? And I said, I honestly don't know. And she said, why don't you know? How old is he? And I said, he's five. And she said, oh, well, he doesn't have a favorite color. I mean, it's okay, he doesn't have a favorite color. I said, no, he's severely autistic and he has a very rare neurodevelopmental syndrome called ADMP, as it's doing to me right now, was really upsetting. So there are moments in time that are challenging in public when you're kind of faced with talking about your day-to-day reality with your child. But at the same point, extremely poignant because it makes you realize I'm going to learn my son's favorite color. So when I came back home, I decided to reach out to our ABA therapist and I want to figure out his favorite color by giving him color discrimination and having him point to his favorite color. So certain things like that that are a bit hard to cope with, then I want to find out a way to have him express to us his favorite color, although he can't speak. Maybe he can point to it. So tell me, what are some of the joys? Lots of joys. Huge amounts of joys. He is a really, really happy child. A lot of giggles. Loves water play. Has a hearty appetite, although he eats completely gluten, dairy-free, and low sugar and takes a ton of supplements. So he enjoys eating, and he enjoys being part of a group. He's particularly good with adults. He has a really hard time with his sibling who's seven, and he's a lot easier with the older siblings. But he enjoys music. He enjoys swimming. He loves the ocean. And all in all, he's a really happy kid. He loves cars, and he has very limited words. One of his favorite words is car. So he'll spend a lot of time outside looking at the cars, getting in and out of the cars, etc. But he's just a joy to be around because he is not a morose child. If anything, his personality is bubbly, giggly, and happy. 
so he's really easy to be around and really enjoyable to take to activities and do things with. You know, it's challenging to have him in public places, but we do not hold back. And as a family, we try our hardest to integrate him into society and to have him part of our community. So tell me, uh, what's been his impact on his siblings or your extended family, family generally, or friends, neighbors? What has been his impact on them? It's been an interesting journey. I was talking to another ADMP father at our first ADMP gathering at Mount Sinai Hospital at the Fever Autism Institute a couple of weeks ago. And the father said, my wife and I feel like we've lost a lot of friends due to our daughter's diagnosis. I can resonate with what the father was saying. I wouldn't say that we have lost friends. I just don't think a lot of our friends understand the enormity of the syndrome and what we face on a day-to-day basis. A huge challenge that Roland has had, and it's certainly getting better, has been sleep. And that has taken a huge toll on me and his siblings, because we're all on the same floor. Recently, it's gotten better because we have a special need bed for him, which he adores. But it's hard in general to take him to restaurants. We no longer take him to restaurants. We don't take him to places that are very loud our social life, we've had to kind of alter and change a bit just because we have to think ahead as to how things will impact him and factor in his nap, etc. He's quite good with his half-siblings, the twins that are 16 and his half-brother who's 14. And maybe it's because they look more like adults to him and many ADMP kids respond better to adult figures than they do to children around their own age. The largest impact that he has had is on his seven-year-old sister and it's been very very hard for her to have a special needs brother she is extremely compassionate but she is also a magnet for hair pulling and roland spends a lot of time trying to pull her hair pinch her etc so we have really worked very hard with a bcba specialist with both children in particular to help our daughter tolerate the hair pulling and not fight back in order to not give in to the attention that he's trying to get when he's pulling hair or trying to act in an aggressive manner. So it is a huge challenge for her. And I think deep down inside, she's an extremely compassionate, loving sister. But for a seven-year-old, it's quite hard. Sure. So if I were to come to you just having received a diagnosis that my child had ADMP syndrome, what advice would you give me? I love that question. The best advice that I could give anybody when they get a diagnosis is that it will get better. After you hear the initial shock that your child has a rare syndrome, that at this point in time we have about 160 diagnosed children around the world with the syndrome. That is very scary. There's also a fear that a lot of ADMP parents have that I do not have, and that is, well, what's the life expectancy? I don't look at his syndrome in terms of what's his life expectancy. I look at his syndrome as we're living in the here and the now, and I'm never gonna give up hope. Although he's nonverbal, I know in my heart that he will speak. When we got this diagnosis and we reached out to other ADMP parents, 
they had different opinions because perhaps their children were manifesting different forms of the mutation. And so it can be harder for some people than it is for others because maybe their child can talk but is in calipers and can't walk, etc. Every child with the mutation has a different form of it. So although many youth kids across the board, may all have teeth that came in early, may all love water play, may all not know the difference between hot and cold, may all have certain things that are similar, they really, really vary. So I do tell parents when they reach out to me, live in the moment, have belief, and advocate for your child. You are the only person that can advocate for your child if your child is nonverbal. And when my husband and I started going through the state for an IEP, that's when we really looked at each other and said, we need to do something more than what we're doing for Roland. We need to start a foundation. And we, through a board member at the Mount Sinai Hospital where Roland and Charlotte and Taylor were born, we reached out to the Seaver Autism Institute, who is doing a study on Celiac McDermott syndrome, which is a autistic-related disorder, as well as FOXP1. And we reached out to them and had Roland undergo a full neuropsychiatric evaluation there and met with them and started a foundation and brought Sandra Stramon in, who's the head of the foundation. I'm now the P of ADMP Foundation under Sandra. And Sandra is is supporting our endeavor and our endeavor really is to raise $200,000 to have 10 patients fully evaluated at the Fever Autism Institute in hopes of a cure, perhaps a clinical trial that they're looking into with the founder of, and this is public, the founder of ADMP, Dr. Alana Gozes, is looking into a drug, an intranasal spray that perhaps could help children with ADMP. And Mount Sinai certainly is looking into stem cell research for autistic related disorders. So that is part of our mission is to not give up hope and to allow our son to be part of a study. And my husband and I were part of the study as well that involved huge amounts of blood sampling, MRIs, EKGs, EEGs, etc as we have a strong belief that down the road, there will be some sort of cure for children with this syndrome. Good for you. That's great. Any final remarks? I have a wonderful story, and I wanted to go back to the sibling conversation because before we got the diagnosis and Roland was nonverbal, we were having a family get-together, and I had been so upset that he had had a couple of words and then he had lost the words and we were having a family get together and we sat down and I said, well, everybody, let's predict when Roland's going to speak. And my father was throwing out, you know, Thanksgiving. My mom said Christmas. I said my birthday. His siblings were saying all different dates. My husband said a date. Our caregivers were saying dates. So you know, here we had a list and we were all guesstimating when Roland was going to speak and his seven-year-old sister, who obviously was a couple of years younger at that point, said on Starfish Day, and we all looked at her and we said, huh, what's Starfish Day? And she said, when he's ready. So I think that to me shows that she knew innately as his sister and growing up with him that something was wrong. And it was her way of explaining to all of us, calm down, he's going to speak when he's ready. And I think about that 
little story probably every day. That's a great story. So the way that we live our life is Starfish Day. Any little milestone that he makes, any little word. Recently he said the word kale chip when he was eating a kale chip and then we haven't heard it since. That is enough to celebrate Starfish Day. He said the word kale chip. Or if he can climb a ladder to get up to the top of the slide, that's another Starfish Day moment. So I would advise all parents who have kids with really rare syndromes that are really challenging every day to wake up and face to celebrate their child's Starfish Day. Thanks for listening to this episode. Orange Socks is an initiative of Rise Incorporated, a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting and advocating for people with disabilities. Follow Orange Socks on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, orangesocks.org, for more stories and to find national and local resources to help parents of children with disabilities.